Hello. Hi, Rebecca. It's Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. It's Rebecca. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. I've Firstly, I want to say, I've been thinking a lot about notebooks. Ah. So yeah. what have you been uh, thinking? Well, well, I mean, I'm always thinking about them, let's be honest. But I wanted to, I want to get a, like, perfect, obviously perfect, A4, narrow-ruled, gorgeous notebook to take to libraries. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm just putting it out there to you. Oh, I As, thought you... If you saw one somewhere, I text will, me. Yeah, I thought you were going to present me with a solution as well. Well, I got a nice one from Paper Chase, mm-hmm. surprisingly, because usually I'm too fancy. Yeah. But I've got a very nice one, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't buy another one. Yeah. I'm if, really into, uh, yeah. I now have for work um, a thin moleskin. I like dots. That's my uh, thing. Dots are very nice. Yeah. So I have that now. But I, I shall uh, I shall have a thing. Yes. I've, I've been perusing stationary websites for another reason. I'm trying to find something that clips different sheets of A4 together in a nice way. Ah, oh, yes. Well, you bought me that beautiful stapler stapler. Ah, Do you remember a few years ago? Yes. Which always is the wonder of my office at work. Oh, I need to. I, I have had to demonstrate it to people. It's marvellous. To... You must get yourself one. Oh, I should. I will. You should. Yeah. You must. Yeah. Yes, I do. I yes, I do demonstrations of it. <laughs> it's so marvellous. <gasps> and yeah. what else have you been thinking about? Well, when I haven't been doing that, I have been reading. Actually, I should tell you about this because this is fabulous. I have been reading this book, which I'm really enjoying. It's called The House of Fashion, Haute Couture and the Modern Interior. And I actually saw it in a shop. And then I just thought it was so lovely that I asked Bloomsbury if they would send me a copy. And they did, which was very kind. It's by Jess Berry, who's Mm -hmm. at Monash University. And it's just fascinating because it's it's talking about... um, It starts off focused on couture interiors. So talking about the salon and the presentation room, mm. but also the kind of atelier in the backstage. And then also how that links to the designer's own home, potentially, or not. But then she also talks about like flagship stores and how this these ideas have been sort of developed since in retail. Oh, that's really interesting. So it goes up to now because I've, I, yeah, yeah, I've, I have, I've seen it on the website, but I haven't, haven't got it. So I thought it was just uh, about the earlier period. No, no, it goes up to date. It's really interesting. Oh wow! Um, so does yeah. she talk about? Because I remember in the nineties, flagship stores seem. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but that seemed to be such a big thing. There was the jigsaw yes, one on did. on Bond Street, which was amazing. Oh yeah. It was Pawson, I think, was the architect. Well, that's the thing, because it's really fascinating reading about, you know, which interior designers and which architects were being used, you know, like by Worth and, and the kind of early couturiers, but then right up to date of how it's such a thing now to work with a particular interior designer to kind of imagine your brand and your style. Mm. as an interior and it's just really I I mean I love interior design as you know Mm. and I just I really love this idea of how 
what you put on your body and what you put in your environment connects mm. and how how you're kind of expressing your style through these objects and the kind of atmosphere that's created is yeah. really interesting. I think sometimes from just a few people, you know, I think sometimes the business premises of people are very, very different from how they choose to live in their their home, which I find really interesting. Um, I just know a little bit from Stiebel, which I, I think his premises were quite, you know, I think for a while they were really into this sort of Georgian, you know, very, very sort of minimal, but still with cornices and stuff, sort of yeah. like pale. Um, I might misremember how his was, but then I saw some images, uh, his flat was featured somewhere and it was quite chintzy. And oh, I, really? Yes, and I was really surprised. I, I, I expected something quite different. That's um, so funny. So, mm. so that's really interesting because it's like that's like his private and professional identities. Yeah, were separate. Yeah, I mean maybe chintzy is not the right word, but it was more ornate. But it's a good word. Yeah, it is a good word. I, I, it was much more ornate, and more antique furniture then you know right. I somehow imagine I mean it, I think that the thing I saw was quite late like from the 50s or something and maybe in the yeah. 30s he had all you know yes perhaps they got in older age yeah are they stuff I don't know but I I just remember thinking mm, that doesn't that's not what I expected um I suppose also some interiors look beautiful as a backdrop for clothes and for like imagining clothes and what the clothes are saying but then actually living in them wouldn't necessarily be as easy or as nice Mm. and and also I guess maybe even if you're totally obsessed fashion designer you might want to have a rest at some point and well yes Mm. yes because yeah I know for a long time I never put any pictures up on my walls because I looked at so many pictures during the day that I kind of didn't want any more in my house yeah I don't have any pictures on the walls I've got some lovely fashion illustrations now but Mm. yeah but it's funny what you were saying about Stiebel because there's funny quotations about how um, Worth's house like his private house was really over the top and there's kind of you know like Princess Metternich and people making snooty comments about how it was just how he sort of had good taste in clothing but in nothing else oh. and his, his was it a bit nouveau-ish probably for them yes I think that's mm. what the, the that's very much the, the feeling subject. you get from what they're saying about him mm. but interesting um, I mean the, the, the starting point of the book which I thought was really interesting is the, the fact that it's called the house of worth or whoever mm. so it's connecting it to a word that relates to sort of intimacy and privilege and privacy Mm. and I thought that was really interesting because you don't really think about it you just kind of think Maison Valentino or whatever and don't really think about why that word yeah that's really interesting Mm. Mm. I yes I think that's very nice and can I just read you the bit about worse it's actually about this is about his um let me find it. I'm um, amazed that his... there is information about how he lived. I wouldn't have expected that at all. I know it's really well. It's really well researched. This book. It's got really good things, and I think also fashion magazines. I don't know if they did about worth, but certainly she goes on to talk about Doucet and that there are kind of features in fashion mm. magazines of the designer at home. Yes, true. Mm. 
but this this is about his actual fashion salon, not his home now. Yeah. So it says, in order to view Worth's garments in the salon, the couture client first mounted the crimson carpeted stairs to the first floor. Here they would pass through a series of showrooms displaying fabrics, one dedicated to black and white silks, another to colourful silks, a third of velvets and plushes, and then finally a chamber of woolens before entering a larger room with a wall of mirrors and garments displayed on wooden mannequins. Wow. Doesn't that sound amazing? Yeah. And it really it's reminds me... It's like a palace. Of, it is like a palace, and it's also like um, Zola, like Ladies' Paradise. Yes. Like the descriptions, because that, that that I thought was really interesting. Like, because you think of department stores as completely different to a couture salon, but that's the fact that he's really using textures and colors of fabrics as a kind of. It's almost like he's trying to get his clients into this sort of dream state, this ecstasy before they come yeah. through, and and like they're imagining how these fabrics will feel and look on them, and then they get into the salon where the dresses are displayed. Yeah. It's also interesting how I always think that people who used to buy couture or maybe people buy couture now, I think it's it must have been quite difficult because I I remember when I when I studied fashion design I was, you know, exceptionally mm. bad. I would I would buy some fabric and I would imagine it would look great as this garment and then I would make the garment and it really just wasn't right at all and um, that happened quite a lot so that really did tell me you know this, this is not the thing for you um, but I, I you know for a, if you're a couture client you have to have quite a lot of knowledge and imagination to, to yeah, you know I mean I, I guess quite often you would see a model and you say I want something quite like this but but sometimes yeah. I think it would be totally done for you new <laughs> And you you need to know, you know, you, you need to have a bit of an idea of what it will end up like when you choose the fabric and all that. And obviously with the help of, of, of that person. Well, but... I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? If you're seeing one of these sort of dictatorial couturiers, like I think Worth was quite dictatorial. Yeah. Wasn't he? he sounds awful. I, don't, I think I would have hated going to him. Yeah, I don't think we'd have been Worth clients. No. I'm not seeing us in a cloud of tulle with, no. you know, velvet African violet. Sewn no. in between the layers. No, I don't think that's us. No, not frankly. really. Mm. No, I mean, I suppose, yeah, and that's also, I guess, why the vendors were so important and True. why they were really valued because they're guiding the women, and and also the shift from like court dressmakers who were more at the mercy of the clients, and then the couturiers who were very much more dictatorial usually. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, is it, and I do like this idea of going through a series of rooms before you enter the key room. Yeah, I mean, that is very much like a palace enfilade. Isn't it? And yes, is, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then yeah. yeah, eventually you see the king or queen. What I really <laughs> like about this is, because I think really it is one element, I like how she described what it was like, because I really oh. feel that's sort of one element we often don't have anymore and I I it really occurred to me not actually for this period it was when I was looking into shops in the King's Road and they were in the 60s and there were quite a lot of shops you know there are a lot of photos of them you know then a lot of biographies people talk about going in but what they often talk about is this sort of atmosphere and 
quite a lot yes, of shops they talk about that there were places to hang out and then the, the owners often name drop you know and Mick would come by with his latest girlfriend blah 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 and he would uh, spin some some LPs and blah that's not how you say it but they would um there was a music was a big part there and I don't know whether that was a part in other salons or whether they were always quiet oh that's true I um, wonder but in these boutiques obviously music was a thing but also it sounded very much it sounded yeah like there was this sort of atmosphere you could go into and that's so hard to to get back in a way you can look at what they sold you can look at the interior you can look at the outside of it but what it was actually like to buy something there that's, yes, sort that's of quite true. hard to um because some some shops and i'm sure i'm sure even more so good your ateliers there's such a sense of silence like you have to be yes. quiet and reverence and treat the garments with the respect and I think often that's done through space that there's lots of space yes. and then separation between garments so you're meant to see each one as special and to be inspected in detail yeah the jigsaw shop comes to mind again that was very much like that very very clean no decoration just bare walls and Yeah, and it's interesting that it was for Jigsaw. Um, well, I know, because that that's not really what the brand is like. Not anymore. I mean, I guess they were quite Was good. it more then? Yeah, they were quite different then. And they had a lot of flagship stores. They had one in, uh, one in uh, St. Christopher's Place. Um, ah, yes. And then another one in Knightsbridge. And they were all done by designers. And the Knightsbridge one was quite um, elaborate and decorative. And then they made this switch to Porson and... Yeah, I think they had they they were very different different shop shops and and I know Nicole Fari I think that was another big one at the time. There were quite a few of these. Yeah, it was really was a was a thing. And then in New York there were quite a few which I would have never well, seen. But I mean the ones that I remember in well well it would be because I love Helmut Lang. But I really remember going to the Helmut Lang shop and just being super excited and the way that there was kind of a gallery slash retail feel to it because it had like a Jenny Holzer and you know fine art in there as well but also but it was quite friendly it didn't feel really stark but the um clothes were in it was almost like a sort of walk-in wardrobe but the clothes were were kind of you had to get into the store to really see them Oh yeah. So to me, like they were in color, like I'm not expressing it very well, but there were like um, partition walls, and they were hanging either side of them, so you had to walk in. Oh yeah. And go to the side, and it was like that in the one in Paris, as well. I think, although the Paris one was much more kind of concretey and grey. And then I remember the Helmut Lang for a while. There was his perfume shop opposite, which was amazing, and which we could have worn our fantasy lab coats to. <laughs> Because it was like an old lab and it had, you know, like wooden, I don't know what you call them, like lab tables. And I mean, you felt like there should be Bunsen burners. Oh, mm. It was so good. It was like a kind of apothecary slash laboratory, which see, probably uh, I'd like my office to be like, really. I see. Well, I always find interesting. There's so much talk now about, you know, death of retail and then no, yeah. but retail will be reborn in this sort of experience that it retail becomes an experience and it's always as if this was a new thing and yes. if you think of Selfridges all all the stuff he came up with 
to make um, shopping an experience. And yeah. I guess it comes in waves and then it must have gone away again. And then in the 90s, I guess it was a different kind of experience. It was more, it wasn't sort of maybe as full on as what they're now describing. Or now it seems to be more of a communal thing. You go that, to a shop and you do something together, like try out makeup or whatever. Whereas then yes. it was really more... The shop was so amazing that it was an experience to go in, but you, you didn't hang out or have an, have a sort of communal experience in there. I don't know. No, Just... I guess. I mean, I suppose it's also the collapse of the high street, and I suppose like fast fashion, which we don't like, mm. but that's that it used to be an experience to go to the big top shop, yes. say at mm. Oxford Street, but then it kind of tipped into just being. A nightmare yes. going in there. It's like I'm not quite sure what the tipping point was, and I don't know. And I do think it's like it's connected with I guess Jane Shepherdson leaving and the clothing yes. maybe not being quite as on point, if we can call it that. But also, it it was like there was a point where you would find really some really nice clothes, so you were going in for that. Yeah. But also, there was music. There were like you know, there's like a nail bar, la 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 la. Yeah. But then it was like it just turned into chaos and stuff everywhere mm. and it was just horrible going in there yeah and and I suppose so for those kind of clothes I guess people shop online yeah I mean generally I guess people shop on online more and I get they, yeah. yeah I keep reading that well you might go into a shop and look at something and then you, you might not necessarily buy it there or you just yes. collect it there and you go yeah. to the shop for another for another thing which um, i guess is fine if it's a if it's a luxury brand that i can afford potentially to put money into this amazing design experience that we all want to have apparently yeah. and then get you to shop in line but for smaller brands it must be a real issue yes mm. yeah definitely but but reading this book i i very much wish we could have gone to maison maibor Mm-hmm. which which was this beautiful modernist store in Paris where she sold couture and, you know, like Picasso and fine modernist tapestries. And the photographs of that are amazing. It look because it does really look like either the most tasteful person in the universe's house, but more like a gallery. And having, you know, the, and, and that connection between modernist art, design, fashion in one space mm. is really beautiful and there's lovely Therese Bonnet's photographs she's really interesting too who took lots of advertising and interiors photographs in that period mm. and I think I think we would like that I think that we would have shopped at if we were fancy ladies in Paris in the interwar period rather than than you know frilly dilly places yeah yeah, I wonder what kind of a place I I would like. Yeah. Now or in the where are we in time? I don't know where we are in time. I was also also at some point I I had to collect something from Hartnell when they still existed and they he oh, had yes. this sort of particular blue but it it was again this sort of Georgian I think it's Adams they often mention sort of Yes. Um yeah, quite um simple but then still with some sort of period features and I'm just, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of a bit, bit rumbling, but I, I'm just trying to figure out what, what they were trying 
what they were trying to do. Well, it's quite kind of stately. It's quite mm. kind of reassuring to posh customers. I guess. That it's like their home. Their home, yes. <laughs> That's true. Because think of um, that wonderful Humphrey Jennings film from 1938, Making Fashion, where they follow Hartnell, where you see him sketching with a cigarette in oh, one yes. hand and mm. sketching with the other hand, and then he gets his lady to phone down to the studios to get a certain kind of fabric mm. and that's and then you see the ladies in the studios making things mm. and that's a completely different environment from the one he inhabits yes and true. then there's the third kind of environment which is their atelier their salon i guess you call it where the show and you see the show where there's chandeliers and there's i feel i'm remembering right there's like a mirrored glass table with a crystal swan or something on mm. it inexplicably <laughs> in the, with this fashion show going on around it so so that one you see both backstage and on stage and mm. the different kinds of interior design for each place because i suppose there's also that the designer might see people yes that's people, true journalists mm. or buyers mm. particularly now so they have to have their place where they work mm. or pretend to work yeah is saying who they are and then they want the brand yeah and it's yeah. interesting how i guess as a as a couture client you would have only got to to certain ones whereas now there are all these films about designers um yes. like ray simmons going to dior and you know you see a lot of the back now what's going yeah, on do. the back which you would never have and actually before. in the book she uses Irving Goffman you know Goffman's lovely yeah. stuff about backstage mm. and how you act differently backstage yeah. and and it no that's true because I was thinking of one of my students Harriet did a lovely dissertation a couple of years ago about Mark Shaw's photographs of backstage couture ah. and they're wonderful they're they're really evocative of of you know models being dressed for the show and there's both a sense of you know excess like the worth description of like loads of bolts of fabric and and you know three people dressing one woman and this kind of thing but there's also a sense of work mm. and professionalization and and that's interesting as well that these are places of work they're not just somewhere that you go and consume that they're, they're people's professional lives that's true. so there's the balance between those activities as well and those identities yeah and i guess even for the client there is a sort of element of of work yes well certainly with couture in the earlier period you would have to go for three or four fittings yeah and also it's part of your job as it were as a oh i see what you mean as a wife there is also that you know you you know every season you have to get your wardrobe together you need to organize it you need to fit it in yes exactly that Mm. that that, you know that that performance as you say is your identity that is like your public identity yes. it's not just for private parties or something it's something that you have to project mm. well, it so sounds... Koda has just started going crazy because he's realized that his treats are on the table so he was standing on his back legs trying to reach them and look like a meerkat uh-huh. but he can't get there <laughs> he can't reach oh. it Adrian's put them down for him now because okay. it was too sad um, that sounds fascinating. <laughs> that um, that book, uh, yeah. It really is. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll lend it to you after I, oh, I've finished great. it. I've, I've sort of 
I've kind of skim read the whole thing and I'm just going back and reading um, it properly. But no, it is really, really good. I'd like there to be an exhibition of it, but yes. probably all the interiors have gone now. And you yeah. Can't. And oh, there's one other thing I just thought, and I'm sure it mm. must come up, is, is flowers. I think there was... <gasps> flowers, yes. They, must, they were so important for a while. Maybe they still so are. True. I don't know. Because I was thinking as well of like this, the way that certain shops smell amazing. True. Mm. Because some of them, I mean, obviously in the last however many years, it's been candles that many of them produce candles as well. But some smell really, really good. Yeah, that's true. Mm. But also, wasn't there, who was that famous flower arranger in the Between the Wars? It's a woman. Oh, God. She's the one who Steeble did the... Um, yeah, Constance Spry. Yeah, that's right. He did her... He, sorry, I didn't mean to shout. I'm just excited. He designed the amazing florist coats that we want. That's that they, true. The V&A's got one, yes. do remember? Yes, that's true. Mm. And yeah. Yeah, that sort of Eau de Neal colour. Yeah. Which would suit both of us. Yeah, definitely. That would work for both of us. But I think, you know, I don't know, the, my, my images, the few images I have in my head of couture salons, they always have these massive bouquets or a, a, arrangements on a, on a table or something. It's very interesting. And it just made me think when you were saying about flowers of Taryn Simons, you know, there's, there's, hang on, I'm just trying to find it on my iPad. There's this really interesting photographs that Taryn Simon took of the floral displays at um, like important political meetings, that there's always, you know, there's always a floral display. Oh, that's interesting. When, when yeah, politicians I know, I do, I don't meet, know. it's really good. Mm, that that they're amazing really good. photographs. It's really fascinating. Mm. Yeah, I'll send you the link because it's okay. so interesting. Well, okay. great. So well, I marvelous. guess we should have we have to think about our own interiors, maybe a bit more. We do. Yeah. I would like some more flowers. Yeah, I don't think I can do much about my work interior. I'm not entirely sure it totally represents me in my office. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're a bit limited yeah, there. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love it if we could work with an interior designer to revamp our offices, yeah. but I don't think that's a reality. No, and also maybe we I, share, I share oh, with three share. people, so that yes. might make it more difficult. There might be a clash, yeah. and you could just be like, I'm sorry, it's my way or the highway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, so let's do that On then. that note. Yes. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Talk then. to you soon. Bye. Bye.